purpose is to help you heal, and I'm your host, Marie Monville. We are going to spend 10 minutes talking about healing. What kind of healing do you need? Is it in your mindset? Is it emotional healing? Is it spiritual healing? You know, there's a lot of healing that we all need, and this is where you're going to find it every week, 10 minutes on Tuesday. I'm so glad you're spending this time with me. Welcome back to To Help You Heal. This week, we are talking about relationships, and specifically, we're going to talk about relationships with your significant other. Whether you're dating, engaged, married, this one is for you. Maybe you don't even fall into any of those categories, but you want to be in them someday. I'm going to be sharing what I have learned along my marriage journey. You know, I want to preface this by saying I am in no way proclaiming myself to be an expert. I am not saying or trying to assert that I make all the right choices or that I have done everything perfectly in my marriage to Dan or even in my first marriage to Charlie. But there are things that I have learned along the way, things that we've pressed into, especially for Dan and I as a couple, and things that we've heard and received encouragement that others have shared with us. And so I want to share that with you today. As we talk this whole month about relationships, you know, I think one of the most important relationships we have is with our spouse, with our significant other. And if we want to come into this place where we value each other, it's a choice. And it's a choice that we live out every single day. And so if I were going to give you, you know, kind of some building blocks to having a wonderful relationship or having a relationship that spans the test of time, the first one is our commitment. Because This thing that Dan and I have, this relationship that we are walking out together, it exists because we made a choice. We made a choice to commit to each other, and that commitment exists on all the good days and all the hard days and every day in between. There is never a moment that we doubt that commitment, not for ourselves and not for each other. And I think that makes all the difference because if I were having a difficult day or we were fighting about something, I wouldn't want him to think, well, does she really mean the things that she said on the day we got married? Is she still committing? We know without a doubt we're committed. And we've also decided that we prioritize our relationship more than we prioritize our individual selves. And I think that that has helped us to live in this place where our relationship can exist, although we have never known each other without kids. Our whole entire married lives have been spent as parents and as spouses. And we didn't, you know, a lot of the time when we were dating uh, initially, we were doing that on kind of group dates with our kids. There were very few opportunities to really have that one-on-one alone time that you imagine when you're dating someone who becomes your spouse. So we have this foundational commitment to this thing that we've built together, this union, this unity that we have, that we emphasize more than we emphasize ourselves. But then what does that look like in each one of us, within ourselves, within our thought processes? What is it? You know, how do we stay in this place where we're connected and feel like our marriage is vibrantly alive. And I don't think any couple would ever try to tell you that their marriage is vibrantly alive every day. And there have certainly been seasons where 
our marriage wasn't as vibrantly alive. You know, seasons where we were struggling through things, um, figuring out how to really exist as a couple and how to exist in these spaces where our lives were dominated by so many difficult events or so many, um, just the hardness of the day to day, that way that it wears you down. And so we've had to be diligent about the way we talk to ourselves and the things that we allow in our head, because otherwise it becomes this place where you can think that your spouse is thinking something about you that isn't true. And so we've made this commitment to each other that we will only say the truth and that our words won't be edged with this aspect of uh, control or manipulation or saying something that we're not really saying. We're committed to telling the truth because I want Dan to know that I'm always telling the truth and that I'm not trying to get him to do something by what I said. I don't want him to second guess my words because if he second guesses my words, if I were to, you know, come into a conversation really wanting my way and trying to manipulate him and he was thinking, well, does she mean what she's saying or does she, is she trying to get me to figure something out and do something else? If he can't trust me in the hard conversations, then how does he know to trust me in the good ones? When I tell him that I love him or when I tell him that I appreciate things that he does or, you know, who he is, how would he know to believe me? And so we've made this decision, this commitment to say, whatever we're saying is the truth and you can trust that I will always tell you the truth. Now, does that mean that we don't sometimes go in our own heads and think that the other person is saying something or thinking something that they're not? Absolutely. And so when when we are concerned that there's some kind of, you know, confusion or we've missed it in communication, we've also made the commitment that we'll talk about it. And I'll be honest, it is a lot easier to talk about something that isn't working when when you're not frustrated by it. So not in the heat of the moment. And I will often encourage when I'm working, you know, doing coaching with women, if they're talking to me about situations that they're struggling through with their spouse, I'll often encourage them to wait until that really tense moment has passed. Because if we try to talk about something when we're already frustrated, when we're not giving our partner probably the benefit of the doubt, we're coming with some accusations, even if they are unspoken, it's going to be really hard to have a great conversation. It's going to be hard to meet them in the middle and to believe that they want the things that that we've already committed to. You know, if I were to try to hash something out with Dan when we're already tense about it, it's going to be hard to stay committed to our principles of believing that this union is a choice and that we choose to love each other and stay committed every single day, that we will always tell the truth, that we will always prioritize our relationship above ourselves. It's really hard to maintain all of that in the heat of the moment. So in those places, it's a time to take a break and then to talk about it when we can see a little bit more clearly, when I can put myself in his shoes, when he can put himself in mine and to be able to say, hey, here's this thing that we're trying to figure out. Did you mean something that I didn't get? Were you trying to say something that I didn't understand? We all have those conversations. You know, every every couple needs to have those conversations to sort through things and to gain clarity. And so I encourage you when you have those moments, Yes, go after it, but maybe not when you're already frustrated and feeling like your spouse doesn't care or you're not connecting, whatever it is. But if you have those doubts in your head, if you're starting to notice that you're playing a line of conversation 
in your head that you're having with them and you're hearing their response in your head that this isn't actually happening in real life. It's all going on in your mind. I encourage you to talk about that with them later because a lot of the time, you know, we've talked about self-talk so many times on here and I'll continue to talk about it because I think it's something that we all struggle with and we have to be really intentional about, but I think we also see this play out in our relationships and especially with our relationship with our spouse. We start to think that they're saying things or thinking things or meaning things that aren't happening in real conversation. And so if we allow that to continue, it's going to drive a wedge between us and they have no ability to understand. You know, they're not mind readers. They can't get it for us. We have to tell them about it. And so if you're having these conversations with your spouse, but they're all in your head, let them in on it. Have a conversation, but come from a place of really wanting understanding, of wanting to see it their way. There is nothing like trying to see something from somebody else's perspective. And if we come into a difficult conversation from that place first, I think we are so much more likely to come out on the other side feeling like the conversation was meaningful, feeling like we saw each other, we heard each other, we cultivated a deeper sense of relationship. And, you know, I'd love to stay in my little 10 minute bracket. So I'm going to give you one more thing. One more way that you can really meet your spouse where they are is to know their love language and then to use it in the day to day. You can go to the five love languages quiz, just type a search online, you'll find it and find out what is your love language? What is the most meaningful way for other people, especially your spouse or your significant other to connect with you? Find that out, find theirs out, and then go after that. I know that if your partner's love language is gifts, you're not going to necessarily be able to give them a gift every day, but we usually have a couple that are towards the top for us. So find ways to be intentional and meaningful and also understand that sometimes the things that we do come against them, against their love language. So for example, if your significant other's love language is words of affirmation, if you're critical with them, you are coming against that very place where they need to be loved. And so I think I love using that tool because it gives us the ability not only to know how to really meet them where where they are, but to also understand sometimes we can erode the relationship by doing the very opposite of what they need. So I hope that you have enjoyed this little 10 minute segment into how to have a healthy relationship, how to cultivate that place of meaningful connection with your spouse. And I want to encourage you to share this with your friends. You probably know other people who need some encouragement for their marriage. Share this with them and then come on back next week where we talk about how to build meaningful connections with our kids. Thank you.